0: Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep. Anecdote of the Jar by Wallace Stevens, first published in the October 19 uh, 19 issue of Poetry, A Magazine of Verse. And uh, I'd not heard of this poem before. Um, Eric, you suggested. it. Uh, I find it very interesting and um, like a mirror. Um, I I don't know what to make of it other than what I make of it. So I'm very interested to hear what you'll make of it.
1: Well, since it's short, uh, 12 lines uh, in, four, in three four-line stanzas. Um, how about if I read it? Mm -hmm. And then I'd love to hear what you make of it and we'll compare ideas. Mm -hmm. Okay, anecdote of the jar. I placed a jar in Tennessee and round it was upon a hill. It made the slovenly wilderness surround that hill. The wilderness rose up to it and sprawled around no longer wild. The jar was round upon the ground and tall and of a port in air. It took dominion everywhere. The jar was gray and bare. It did not give of bird or bush like nothing else in Tennessee. <laughs>
0: uh, it's... it's um. It's mysterious, I guess, is the way to put it. And I find myself spending a lot of time interpreting it. Um, this is not u- the usual kind of poem that I I I like. I like to um, have I don't know something more concrete in here, and maybe concrete is a word that uh, is appropriate for this. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, um, how did you come to how did you come to think this would be a good one? I, I obviously you think it's deep, and I, I think that it's possibly deep, but I think it's also possible that I'm misreading it and that its depth is no greater than what's on the page.
1: Well, of course, (laughs) what's on the page is in the eye of the beholder. So it may be that nothing, there's nothing there that's not on the page. Um, I think that there are things, it's a spare poem that is to say, uh, Minimalist. I don't mean that I've got this extra poem in my pocket. Um, th- the title isn't I mean, I find it's it's useful to think about not only what is said, but how what is said is a is a choice against what could have been said. This poem could have been called The Anecdote of the Jar. Mm -hmm. It could have been called the anecdote of a jar. It could have been called an anecdote of a jar. But instead, it's called anecdote of the jar. Now, the jar suggests that there is something crucial about this one, to use your word, Jesse, quite concrete jar. This isn't Mm -hmm. just any old jar. This is... There's an actual physical joy. This is the jar. Would you please pass me the jar? Right, and I'm pointing to the jar. Right, if I do that, if I do that and you do pass me the jar, you will place, perhaps you will come and place the jar on the table next to me. You might place the jar on the coffee table in front of me. You might hand it toward me and place the jar in my hand. My table, the coffee table, my hand, these are all things that I can see, touch, feel. They're within my arm's reach. They are certainly within my vision's reach. Not Tennessee. Tennessee is a whole state. Even if I were, even if, I mean, I'd have to be, you know, in in the space station looking down to be able to see Tennessee the way I can see a table. And this poem is from 1919, so there's no space station viewpoint here. I placed a jar in Tennessee, suggests that the consciousness is reporting an act which is a combination of two ontologically radically different worlds. Tennessee is a territory Tennessee is, is the name for this enormous expanse um, beyond actual perception. It can only exist in 1919 as a political boundary. It can exist on maps. So to say I placed a jar in Tennessee, I mean, and round it was upon a hill. I mean, it's as if you see someone standing in Kentucky with 200-mile-long mm-hmm. arm and reaching over and slowly placing this jar down on the top of a hill somewhere in the middle of Tennessee, it's impossible. And yet, when he says it made the slovenly wilderness mm. surround that hill, what what is the it? Is it the jar that made the slovenly wilderness surround that hill, that that imposed order on what before had just been nature? Or is it the act of placing the jar that imposed order on nature? Mm -hmm. Um, And after all, you know, when you go speeding down the highway um, between Kentucky and Tennessee, um, if you get past the cops on the Kentucky side, the cops on the Tennessee side know now you're in our jurisdiction. You know, making order out of things that had been previously slovenly wilderness has real consequences. Mm -hmm. and it's the consequence that the poet says he is able to do so going back to uh, the title it could have been all these different things the jar is quite a concrete jar but it's not the anecdote of the jar and it's not even an anecdote of the jar it's just anecdote of the jar so i kind of ask myself what does the word anecdote mean anecdote Uh, We we all know it's it's some interesting little story. You know, I've got an anecdote to tell you. I've got an amusing anecdote. I've got a I've got a private anecdote. Um, Historically, anecdote was a word used for things that had been previously unpublished because they were private. And in fact, anecdote means to give out. And it's it comes from the Greek word meaning to publish anecdote means that which is not given out. Mm. So when you publish an anecdote, you're in effect destroying the very possibility that you're talking about. It can no longer be an anecdote once you've published it, because an anecdote is the thing that's unpublished. This isn't an anecdote. It isn't even the anecdote. I think that anecdote of the jar is the the poet I mean the poet's voice, I don't know if it's really Wallace Stevens, but in his role as poet, what he's telling us is that if I conceive of an action that inserts something man-made into something that is previously just wilderness, I am making an act that changes the world, and people don't realize that. They Mm -hmm. don't notice it. That is the unpublished truth about having such a concept as Tennessee. And that's just that's just a beginning of why I think this is.
0: Yeah, uh, I I think you're exactly thinking along the same lines as I am. When I read this story, I I was I was paying attention, close attention to what little there is of it. It's very, very brief and very spare. Um, A few few words per line, very few lines. And a lot of repetition. But one of the things that is so interesting is is that this little round object... I picture the hill as being round, too. And I, I think that that's probably in the story. Sprawling around on... Right? Yeah. The slovenly wilderness. It's, it's a messy, sort of um, disorganized, terrible wilderness. But when... He places the jar. Suddenly, it becomes organized, and it's like a flag being planted. You plant your flag, and you say, "Now this territory belongs to the Queen of England." Right? <laughs> and suddenly, these lands that were unimproved and unuseful are now part of the dominion of of this land. You know, this this rulership. The the little jar sitting on top. I picture it as uh, an urn uh, rather than, you know, like one of those old-fashioned sort of ceramic jars rather than a clear glass jar. Well, he says it's gray. Yeah, he says right. the jar was gray and bare, but empty, right? And it did not give a bird or bush. I, I interpret this as it it's not doing anything for the birds and it's not doing anything for the bushes. But everything else in Tennessee does. Right, it has put its dominion over the land. It has said, "This is mine," but it hasn't. Unlike a st- tree stump, which can be a home for an owl, right, <laughs> or uh, be uh, you know a, a, fer- a fertilizer for another bush to grow out of it, right, it, this jar does nothing other than claim dominion over the land. And I think this is a very interesting sort of just perspectival poem about manifest destiny saying this land that was wilderness now it's Tennessee and here are its borders and here is how it will be cut up and this will provide this and you can also see like that maybe this this jar is not just a jar it's tall right a tall jar it was a port of air a port in air it, it, it starts making me think, no, this is a city, right? This is a city that's taken dominion over the land and commanded the landscape to no longer be wild, to take a certain shape based on the tiny little jar atop on the on a top of this hill. like the city hall being built and the grid system being laid out. And it's very, very interesting. And I want to bring this up because I, I, as soon as I read this, it made me think of a poem, uh, sort of, that I wrote that as it's basically a joke that I think is awesome. And I think it'd be fun to be true, um, but it's really just a joke. Um, and it's called Moon Tomb. And this is my poem about me going to the moon. Massive moon monolith hanging in the inky mantle black- blackness, you call to me, and I'm coming to you. In my rocket coffin, soon we'll be together forever. That's that's the end of the poem. But then I usually, when I read this poem to a student or someone, I point out that um, when I do go to the moon in my rocket coffin, maybe I'll, I'll be in an urn so I can save some money and not have to spend as much on a full-size coffin, right? Yeah. It's a one-way trip, so I don't have to have like, landing jets. I can just smash into the moon. This is really important that I do this because... Every night when people can see the moon, they can say, hey, look,
1: Jesse's up. (laughs) I see why you uh, you're reminded of your poem by by Stevens's poem, Um, because, you know, I placed a jar in Tennessee Mm -hmm. and created Tennessee and now people can go say I'm going to go visit Tennessee that's right and what people can see when they look up you know and that glowing orb goes overhead they ah, there goes Jesse that's right he takes dominion everywhere
0: yep yep And he does not give of anything other than he claims to be the first to be buried on the moon. But you
1: notice it's not your rocket coffin. And I'm interested in hearing the the difference between your pronunciation and mine. You have perfect assonance between the O, the first O in rocket, the O in rocket and the O in coffin. You say Mm -hmm. rocket coffin, but I say rocket coffin. I have two different vowels, but. Um, So, you know, we have different accents, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's not, in fact, the rocket coffin that creates dominion. It's you having arranged to send the rocket coffin to crash and spread on the moon. And it's not, although the poet says that the, the, the jar took dominion everywhere, it is not the jar that takes dominion. It is, in fact, to use the very good analogy that you raised, it is the person who placed the flag who took dominion in the name of a higher power, which in this case is the power of a poet to decide how to look at something. Mm -hmm. So the wilderness, you know, rose up to it. Well, no, you know, trees and animals didn't begin slithering and climbing, right? Right. One's conception began to see things organized going out around this and sprawled around no longer wild. Well, the opposite of wild is tame. Right. Mm. So this is civilization has entered here. Yep. So the jar was round upon the ground. Um We were, before we began discussing uh, this earlier uh, today, we were talking about German. I really like the fact, I never really noticed it in English, but in German, Grund means both the ground that you walk on, and it means your reason for something. Mm. But in fact, we do use it that way in English, grounds for divorce. That's right. Right? So when it says here, the jar was round upon the ground. It's two kinds of grounds. The jar was round on the ground, the dirt, the jar was surrounding. It was entirely stable upon the reason that it could be. It made reason. It creates order. That's what reasons do. They connect things and tall and of a port in air. So, in fact, it goes up into the sky. The the opening line, I placed a jar in Tennessee. There's that guy with a two hundred mile long arm, lowering it to the tree to the mountaintop or the hilltop. And here, now that it's placed and he's looking at what it's doing, it's rising up without him touching it at all and without leaving the ground. It's just it's just going up. It, it's taking dominion everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what the next line says. Not just the ground of Tennessee, the entire world that Tennessee is part of. And of a port in air. And the word port, like the word ground, has two relevant meanings here, right? A port is something that can receive, right? That's, that's, that's you know, you, you get on your ship and you want to sell your goods elsewhere and you sail into the, the port of elsewhere. Um, that's the port in air. Right? It's tall, hanging it up to the air, um, and support in air. Anything could come down into the jar. But port means that in the same way that portal means it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a doorman. But it also is in the word portable. Port means both doorway, in or out, and carrying the entire weight of having a world that is not just slovenly wilderness but known as Tennessee, is concretely metonymized by having that jar, just gray, just bare, but that's all it takes. So that it did not give a bird or bush like nothing else in Tennessee doesn't mean that it's somehow sterile. It means that all that the bird or bush could give was the nature but this human creation, this could actually make Tennessee. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a, a, a tension between the, the the wilderness, the slovenly wilderness, and the no longer wild wilderness after the jar is placed. It takes dominion, and dominion means of the of the house, right, of the home, the domestic. Right. As soon as that placement really? is made. I thought it
1: meant ruler like dominoes.
0: It does. It does. The the owner of the house is the is it dominates the land. The Queen Elizabeth is is uh owner of the Dominion of Canada. Right. <laughs> She's on the coins. Uh-huh. The the land is dominated by controlled, mastered by this jar, which is ridiculous because as you say the trees grow they're not growing because of the commandment of the jar but in a certain sense if you put a stake in the ground and with a little flag on it and you mark a few scribbles of pay on paper in a book somewhere in tennessee you do own that land and you control it in a certain sense right you've claimed it yeah this jar is a metonymy as you point out it is a metonymy for for all of the all of the works of man that are not animalistic or plant, right? You know, all of the works of man that are are of ideas because nothing in Tennessee of bird or bush can can make any of the other objects Feel like they're in a relation of master and servant. There's just predator and prey. There's there's all there's all sorts. Of, it's it's so weird because there's uh, no matter how big the jar is, it's still just a jar, yeah. right? So it has to have the human beings.
1: Absolutely. Uh, nothing that was. In what we call the Appalachian Mountains, nothing that was there before human beings produced Tennessee. That's right. And and that's the, the sort of thing that we don't realize because we we think I, I mean, we humans, we think of the world as having these places like Tennessee. Mm hmm. But the unpublished truth is that the world doesn't have these places. We make those places. It's, it's interesting to me. I've mentioned this to you before, that the word world comes from the old English wereald. Uh, where, as in man, as in werewolf. Um, and ald uh, era, or a- ancient time, like ald angsein. Wereald is the age of man. We live in the world. Right in the world of economics, in the world of it, right. Think of it as the planet Terra is really a late use of the word world. The older use, the deeper use um, of world is this social domain. The world that Tennessee occupies is a man-made, a human-made world. Tennessee is part of the world. The bird and the bush and all that—they're part of nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've created this. Uh, One of the things that I love about this poem, as simple as the language is, I think if one gives it the respect to read slowly, um, we see how the planting of flags, the the issuance of um, edicts can in fact control us. I I would look at at the, the middle stanza. The wilderness rose up to it and sprawled around no longer wild. Right? So that assonance that we get in the second line makes the thing, so the second line roll in a way. The wilderness rose up to it and sprawled around no longer wild. R's wilderness rose, sprawled around no longer the jar was round upon the ground, so we've got more of this rolling along with R's. Jar, round, ground. And then the fourth line, and tall, and of a port in air. You can't read it and tall and of a port in air. It just it right? The words won't let you keep the rhythm that you thought was your natural rhythm. The mm-hmm. words force you to breathe differently. The wilderness rose up to it and sprawled around, no longer wild. The jar was round upon the ground and tall and of a port in air. The choice of words, the, the rhythmic control here, validates the next line. And tall and of a port in air. It took dominion everywhere. Yeah, it even took dominion over my breath. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So I yeah,
0: I, I went through uh, I went through the poem looking at the the rhyme scheme you know, and I was like, oh, it doesn't conform to my <laughs> any, you know, it's A B C B A B C D D D E A. Hmm, that's not a normal rhyme. Well, yeah, this poem takes control of you.
1: Yes, and you'll notice, I'm sure you did. If you look at the poem as a whole, focusing on the rhyme words, mm-hmm. um, what we get is bear and air, right? Rhyming, right? It, That binds the second and and third, that is the last, uh, stanzas together. Um, but the first line of the entire poem ends with Tennessee, mm-hmm. and the last line of the poem ends with Tennessee. So the poem begins with an act that someone does, the speaking voice, the poetic voice. I placed a jar in Tennessee, and everything else that happens is bracketed by Tennessee. And Mm -hmm. that is the perfect rhyme, right? No other rhyme in this is perfect. We have air everywhere, bear, right? We have. Wilderness. But no other rhyme is what's called perfect rhyme, where the entire word is exactly re- reproduced, except for Tennessee, as the book ends it. within which everything happens.
0: Yeah, it makes it circular as well, which again is. <laughs> Oh, us being uh, under the spell of the jar.
1: Absolutely, because if you didn't know what a Tennessee was, you couldn't have placed a jar in it. You wouldn't have felt that dissonance between the idea of placing a jar on the table next to you and placing a jar with a two hundred mile long arm on top of a hill in Tennessee. It's in one sense, it's a fantasy. But in another sense, it is a deep exploration of what it means to consider naming things and to consider, What the action of creating things, even such things as language means, because after all, when we read this poem, I don't believe once we're done with it, we're likely to think, oh, yes, this is the report of something that actually happened.
0: You know, that's the that's the thing is, is I was wondering, I think this is a true story. It's there's it's so it's so it's such a silly thing. And there's no reason to suspect it actually happened other than the fact that it's so mundane and so it's so interesting. It seems like the kind – there is sort of a a school of poetry that, you know, write what you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, rather than, you know, uh, know, make up lies. But write what you know. It's almost as if like, yeah, I did place a jar in Tennessee. I wonder – and then, you know, you go away for a few years and you come back and you see the growth all around – that jar. And in looking at it again, you would, you would say, yeah, right. It commanded these trees to grow up the hill. What was before slovenly wilderness is now uh, domesticated.
1: There's no reason to think it isn't a true story. In fact, except of course, that even viewing that as a true story, one would have to suppose that the person who did the placement abstracted himself and thought of it not as placing a jar on a hill, but placing a jar in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And when he came back afterwards, he wasn't just saying, oh, look, flora and fauna. He was saying, look at how everything can form a pattern around the jar that I left. Mm -hmm. So even if you view it as a, A report of a true incident it's a true incident that exists because of the way it's understood by the speaker and i think that fits with as you you
0: point out the very precision of the title it's an anecdote right yeah it's like you know there was this time i placed (laughs) a jar on a hill in tennessee and then i i i realized ah, i placed a jar in tennessee and round it was upon that hill and it made the slovenly wellness
1: surround it <laughs> yeah you know it's it's, it's worth remembering now uh, an anecdote about Wallace Stevens in that anecdote in the sense of a, a small amusing story Wallace Stevens was actually an insurance executive in Connecticut and uh, he used to com- he, We're told that he would compose his poems walking to and from work mm. um, it was Poetry was a a vocation of it was an avocation of his, not his vocation at all. And according to the anecdote, a reporter from a major newspaper came to interview him uh, because he had just published another one of his incredibly well-received books of modern poetry. And uh, the reporter showed up and met a fellow executive in the hall and said, uh, "I'm, I'm looking for Wallace Stevens, the poet and uh, the fellow said Wally is a poet <laughs> I guess it's all in how you look at it
0: mm-hmm. there's a there's a nice line in the wikipedia entry for Wallace Stevens uh, under the heading supreme fiction and it's a, a quote the imagination loses vitality as it ceases to adhere to what is real When it adheres to the unreal and intensifies what is unreal, while its first effect may be extraordinary, that effect is the maximum effect that it will
1: ever have. But the line that the word that you used, I shouldn't say but, the word that you used when we began, Jesse, Mm -hmm. supports that completely. Mm -hmm. Said was, this was so concrete. Mm Mm-hmm there is always more to say.